Email todayradio at rte.ie. Now it's time for our Friday gathering where we take a look back at the big stories of the weekend. I'm joined by Minister of State at the Department of Foreign Affairs, Colin Brophy, Independent TD for Clare and Chair of the Iraq This Covid Committee, Michael McNamara, Sinead O'Carroll, Editor of the Journal.ie and finally I'm also joined by Mary Menahan, Assistant News Editor at the Irish Times. Take a breath, guys. <laughs> they rushed in here at the last minute um, so I'll give them a second to catch their breath. Uh, perhaps I might go to yourself, uh, Michael, first because you were rushing. Uh, oh no, you're right there. <laughs> I didn't see you. You're right here beside us. I thought you were on the line, but thank you for coming in. Thank you. Um, I will go to yourself first, Michael, on the uh, lockdown, the local lockdown, the outbreaks, all of the news that we heard over the last 24 hours um, and talk now that there may be a need for a local lockdown in, in the three counties affected. What do you make of it? Um, well, obviously, it's very bad news and, uh, you know, um, for everybody, but especially for those who are, who are most directly affected. I mean, I've been calling for more localised measures for, for, for a long time now. I think the one-size-fits-all approach hasn't been adopted anywhere in Europe for months now, and we're the only ones still doing that. I do appreciate we're a smaller country and there are difficulties. If you lock down an area, you do have to restrict travel from that area or else everybody just leaves and goes to another area for the weekend or a week. And there are difficulties, with it, but I do think we have to do that. I'm not... I think there's a bigger problem, though, with with uh, the coherence of the strategy being adopted. I mean, we we're adopting a different strategy to the rest of the European Union. The rest of the European Union has decided it's going to open up its hospitality sector, albeit carefully and safely. It's going to open up its tourist sector. We've decided not to do that. And the latest evidence, you know, the latest decision in that was the not moving to phase four, which doesn't just affect small rural pubs it also affects GA matches it affects churches and gatherings in churches uh, I was at a, 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 a concert last night in the church in Fetal normally there's a Fetal festival this time of the year there were about 40 people there and it was strange but there was this huge sense of relief even among the musicians that uh, and the people there that you know there was a semblance of normality and there was a yes. semblance of community and I think that's important and we're, okay. we're not doing enough of of trying to go back to normal in a safe way Okay so Michael is, is in favour of localised approach to this, uh, Colin Brophy, and uh, we saw your colleague Sean Fleming today, um, who's obviously local to Leash. He has come out in relation to the situation uh, that's going on in Leash, Offaly and Kildare, and he's calling um, for matches, GAA matches and all sporting organisations uh, to call off matches and events in Leash, Offaly and Kildare. Would you be supportive of that? Well, I, I haven't seen what he said. I'm just going what you've just told me now. I think you do have to be very, very cautious in our approach. I, I'd actually disagree with what Michael said there quite strongly. Um, I think there has been a consistency and a coherence to the way the government has approached this. And I think that very cautious approach which we've taken, which I understand, by the way, does cause people who are in the hospitality industry, causes people who own pubs and run pubs, people whose livelihoods are affected, does cause them great stress and great strain. But it is important to be guided at all times by the medical advice and most importantly to realise that we are still in a situation where we have a pandemic for which there is no prevention and no cure and that we have to therefore take the approach that human life, all human life, is vitally important and that should be guiding our decisions. And if that means, unfortunately, that we don't go to an extra phase or that we have to take some extra measures um, or that we have impact on various uh, businesses or industries, I, I, I think we'll do that because I think maybe, I don't know, I just want to make this point I think that we might be looking back in six months time at some of the decisions that were made within Europe in terms of 
the more liberal approach which they took to opening up and questioning whether that obvious resurgence which we're beginning to see across Europe um, might, that okay, might so have would, contributed to Would you be in favour then of this uh, call from your colleague, Minister of State, Sean Fleming, for all GA matches and sporting organisations to call off matches and events in, in Leishoffley and Kildare? Well, I, I, I don't want to really be telling people in Kildare what to do unilaterally on this, but I do think that what I would say, my view on this, is that if I was running an organisation or I was involved with anything in the coming days, I would be as cautious as possible. And if that means suspending something or calling it off, maybe that's the line. But they have to make that decision. I think we should wait, though, and we should be careful about this. We should wait for the guidance from Neffet to come through, for them to make their own pronouncement. Sean hasn't waited for the guidance. I know he's not, but I'm saying that I think we should. And I think we should be guided primarily by that. I think their advice has stood us in good stead so far. Okay, sorry, Sinead. People are jumping to the easier decisions rather than the harder ones. We know there are some really hard things that have to be tackled to try and eliminate some of these clusters. Working conditions in meat factories, which we know are difficult. Uh, Low paid workers working in accommodation, living in accommodation that allows for these clusters to develop. Direct provision centres still being 20 years later the place where asylum seekers... They're much harder things to tackle than asking the GA to cancel matches where there, we don't have evidence of clusters yet. And Neffet hasn't said that there have been clusters coming from outdoor activities that f- has, have been happening for the past eight weeks. That's not where these clusters are coming from. So these knee-jerk reactions to do simple things rather than tackling the more difficult things is going to make... Th- th- this COVID-19 very difficult to live with if we keep going to that and I don't understand how a local lockdown would work in Kildare um, which is commuter belt territory particularly North Kildare if you lock down Kildare how do you stop people hopping from Leakslip to Lucan or in South Kildare how do you stop people hopping from Athai to Carlow Um, so do you restrict complete travel which is a complete lockdown which is completely different to what we had back in March and April Okay I want to bring Mary in she's on the line you've all got your headphones folks I will come to you Michael then Mm. next Uh, Mary your thoughts on this? Morning, Sarah. Yeah, I think the concept of local lockdowns in a country as small of, as ours is scary. And, uh, you know, there's, there'll be a lot of sympathy for Kildare, Leash and Offaly. Of course, you never know when your own county might be next, but it's clearly something that public health officials haven't ruled out. I think there's a strange combination of fatigue and fear in the air now as we face into autumn and winter. And the heart sinks uh, every evening when you hear the latest figures for new cases. And there's so much talk now of people having the virus, but showing little or no symptoms, which is also very frightening. You know, I think a lot of the news agenda this week focused on pubs and what was described as a make or break uh, week for publicans has has probably concluded with what is possibly a death knell for some small rural pubs. So it seems the government has this one principal objective, and that is the full reopening of schools and colleges from the end of this month. I think the Taoiseach Micheál Martin is a, is a cautious person by nature, and anything he feels that would endanger the possibility of reopening schools and colleges he just will not entertain. I think a lot of this you bring your own personal perspective. I suppose if I never got to a pub or a nightclub again I'd survive but if the schools didn't open I couldn't be held responsible for my actions but you know that is not to make light of a, of a very serious situation and I think publicans' dismay is understandable. They feel they're being sacrificed in order to keep the schools open and we're, we keep being told not to go to house parties and of course the, the, the particularly the small rural publican would argue house parties are un, 
unregulated. Uh, he or she is offering a controlled environment. So they would say, you know, they're being blamed uh, almost for an increase in cases when okay. they're not even open. But as I say, the government's mantra from the beginning has been clear that their priority is schools. OK, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with what Sinead is saying. I mean, there is no evidence of clusters in the hospitality sector. We were told before this latest very bad news, we were told that there were 12 incidents in the hospitality sector over the previous week. And that was the day before yesterday. Yet there were 47 incidents in uh, direct provision centres. There were 47 incidents in four clusters in um, meat factories. There, there is no, international so, so, evidence so, on relationship well, well, we're told that the reason that the, the evidence in which Neffet was acting was going to be produced and released. And what we got was a series of press clippings from, from the Guardian and from the New York Times rather than some I was expecting frankly some peer-reviewed uh, medical journal rather than um, something that you well, might get with a junior science something that you might get with a something that you might yeah but you know we, we're told that there's evidence from Spain there's evidence from Australia like I presume if we know about that then they know about that but they haven't chosen to shut their hospitality sector in Spain they haven't chosen to shut their hospitality sector throughout Australia I do appreciate that there's a localised lockdown in, in parts of Australia just as there are curfews in place in Antwerp and one other city in Belgium. But we're looking at a curfew or an 11 o'clock ban on any economic activity in Ireland right across the country, in every city, in every town, in every townland. And I mean, Belgium is not a huge country. Belgium is a smaller country than Ireland. And if you can do localised in Belgium, I simply don't know why you have to have a one-size-fits-all okay. approach here. And, with, to, rega- uh, and lastly, right. with regard to the pubs, the larger pubs that are serving large numbers of people with a bucket of chicken wings or a pizza or something are open. It's the smaller rural pubs which provide a greater alternative for people to go to, okay. largely where you have family-run businesses under I want to go to you, Colin Brophy, on this issue aren't. of where exactly the problem lies, um, because both Sinead and Michael have made the point that the clusters and the outbreaks, we're not seeing them from pubs. We're seeing them in direct provision. We're seeing them and in nothing has plans. changed. All right, Michael, thank you. Um, now, there is a press release from uh, Duncan Smith, uh, the Labour Party TD, this morning talking about the migrant workers and meat plants specifically. He yep. said he has raised this issue with former Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed. He claims Michael Creed took a defensive tone around it, dismissed what he was saying as just an opinion. He then asked his successor, former Minister Barry Cowan, to tackle the issue four weeks ago. He said the government sat on their hands and did nothing. The vulnerable workers have been abandoned. And now he's calling on Minister Cleary to set up a working group with officials from, from his department to examine the conditions of migrant workers. Um, this was raised as well with us by Paddy Mallon and a GP from Kildare earlier in the show that it's not actually even just the meat plants it's the vulnerable situation of the workers in the meat plants where they're living and the fact that their pay and conditions maybe mean that they can't afford not to go to work. Mm. Is anything being done to tackle those fundamental issues? Well th- there's two things I want to come to your question but I do want to respond to what Michael said there because I I think there's an element uh, creeping in which I'm really worried about which is that it's very easy for us to type a look and say well this is a cluster in a meat plant or this is a cluster in a direct provision centre and sure we're all great aren't we because we're getting it all right as people going around doing our lives. There is I think very obvious evidence every single day of the week that in places like Spain and places like Belgium in places right across the continent where they made a decision to open up for economic Uh, reasons, uh, their hospitality sector, that there has been transmission and there has been transmission, particularly in and around socialising. I would be, would not want to be sitting in this studio in a couple of weeks time um, saying that we um, were in a situation where People said, well, we told you so. You could have looked at Spain. You could have looked at what was happening. Sure. Uh, thing. So okay. I, I think on, on both counts, I do think we do need to ensure 
that we deal with areas where we know there is clusters, including meat plants and we uh, uh, direct provision centres, and we make absolutely every effort to ensure that we um, stop those clusters developing. But I don't think we should be, which is what I maybe mistakenly took out of what Michael was saying, that we should be waiting for our own evidence in Ireland of a cluster coming out of reopening social venues uh, before we say, no, we shouldn't have done that. I think we have the opportunity now, and I think Neffet has been guided by this, to be more cautious in their approach. And I do obviously sympathise with pubs that can't open and the owners okay. of those pubs. But I don't Can think we move think on we should... from pubs, Colm, if you don't mind? Because yeah. what we're talking about this morning is direct provision and outbreaks in meat plants. Let's leave the pubs to one side mm. for a second. You're saying, yes, of course, we should do something to address those problems. What is mm. going to be done? Mm. Because we have known for five months that there have been problems yeah. in these specific areas. Yeah. And yet here we are again. So what is going to be done to address those specific problems of overcrowding in direct provision of migrant workers and low pay who can't afford to not go to work, who are travelling to and from um, yeah. accom- an unsuitable right accommodation together? Yeah. Nothing has been done yet. So what is going to be done well, now? I don't, I don't think it's right to say nothing has been done yet because I know that there has been inspections and there has been very quick work being carried out. And we heard we, we heard evidence of this, Michael, in the commission. No unannounced inspection. And, uh, uh, and not which we were there to, 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 to ensure that if you have an outbreak you close the place down and you put in place the protocols to do it and I think that's what we have to continue to do and I think if we're, if something is not working at the moment we need to strengthen it but it's not right to say nothing has been done I think the, the, the HSE think and the whatever well we, if you have an outbreak you obviously have to say that something better needs to be done so we need to keep on looking and keep on strengthening it I don't think by the way that it is possible ever to stop outbreaks happening. I think that's an important thing to note. It's never going to be possible to completely stop an outbreak, be it in okay, social context, my, community transmission. But we do have to note the failures as well. Oh, like we, the, we, 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 and, and be willing to sorry, acknowledge... Sorry, Colin, just let me in, the, in there for a uh, second. Sorry. We do have to note the failures. Like The IFA called weeks ago for more blanket testing and meat meat factories and like Sarah is saying this is a thing there's international evidence we had our own evidence for months that these were areas that needed uh, more examination and more careful planning and thought to them the HSPC had in their guidance again weeks ago that you know, City West was there as a self-isolation facility. But in what way is that a solution for people who, and they say it themselves, it might not be a solution that workers want to go and self-isolate in a facility a long way away from where their home is um, and not be not be assured of what's actually going to happen there, whether they are going to get sick pay. Um, the unions have now called for blanket testing. These are the things we need to start making hard decisions on, not knee-jerk reactions about whether to close down Kildare, Leash and Offaly because these are happening. It's, we need to tackle these problems really- that are much greater it's than really just COVID-19. No, no one has made a knee-jerk decision to close down anywhere. And I, I think, I would hope that you don't call Neffet's guidance to government knee-jerk decision-making because I think Neffet has served our country incredibly well. I think the guidance they've given has been incredibly balanced. And I think as a country we can be quite rightly proud of both the, the chief medical officer that was, Tony Houlihan, and the acting chief medical officer in terms of the way they have provided, I think, excellent advice to government. And okay. I don't think they make major decisions. A couple of texts to 51551 uh, from people living in the affected areas. They are not happy. Uh, one person says, we are not locking down in Kildare here. I can tell you that right now, we are not going to pay for the sins of a few. Another person says, this is uh, Mary in Kildare. I'm so 
so bloody angry listening to this proposed lockdown. I've been wearing a mask from day one. So many others can't be bothered. Mask wearing should have been made mandatory from the beginning and there's a fair chance we wouldn't be in this situation now. Wear the damn masks everywhere, says Mary in Kildare. Uh, Mary, I'll just, Mary Minhan, I'll come to yourself and then I want to bring Michael in. What, what, what do you make of what you've heard? Yes, it does strike me that the government, uh, the various elements of the government are going to have to work extra hard really to cohere, uh, to tackle these problems because uh, it goes without saying coronavirus has had an inevitable impact on the public purse. And we will see, I think, the you know the big issues like health and housing, which were the real hot topic issues of the election, but somewhat faded from public discourse in recent times, those coming back into focus with a vengeance. And then on top of that, uh, the government will have to tackle these problems of overcrowding and direct provision, what's going on in the meat plants and so on. But what has been said is that Irish public health officials have given the advice that, uh, you know, very, very grave advice suggesting that the the country is now on a knife edge. Uh, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Cullum to the extent that we're not going to stop every outbreak. We simply can't. But what we have to do is target places where we know there are outbreaks repeatedly. The lack of sick pay in meat plants and in in nursing homes and the conditions in direct provision centres well, are a problem. Now, we have been told, just, just to note, uh, O'Brien's spokesperson this morning told us that they do give full pay to workers when they're off with COVID. And that's good news. But there are a lot of meat plants who couldn't confirm that they did that and that when they were in before the committee. But with regard to, to what Cullum said, I mean, that it's somehow a choice between our health and our economy. Unfortunately, I don't think it's that simple because our health system is dependent on having a functioning economy. The reason that we lock down as hard as we did with less cases in other countries in Europe is we have no capacity in our health system to deal with anything extra. We're overwhelmed every single winter and we need a functioning economy. Uh, I, we I need no but it's a hundred and five Michael. No, I didn't no, say it's a choice between our, our health and our economy. I think what government does every day in every decision it makes is trying to balance that. You obviously as an opposition deputy have the right to disagree with them on that. But every single decision you make as regards unlocking or easing restrictions or reimposing is always a choice between the health and the economy. But, but I think we need I, a, I, I think I we think need a robust economy I, to invest I, I, in our healthcare I, 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 I system so that we can so we can have a healthcare it, system which can respond to this. We don't have at the moment, unfortunately. Okay, I just think it's important to remember that we're talking about human life. Uh, and I completely accept that we're talking about human life, but we're also talking about human life in the nursing homes, in the direct provision centres and in the meat plants, and nothing has been done. No single policy or regulation has changed with regard to those settings where the vast majority of clusters have been. Not every cluster I completely accept and there will be clusters outside of those and we have to be able to deal with those and I'm not suggesting that we lock down Kildare now but what I'm saying is we have to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach from Malinhead mm-hmm. to Mizenhead, from, from Kilkee to, to Dublin and look at localised solutions where they're necessary and localised proposals I Okay, I just I want to ask you because um, I want to move on a little bit on, okay. uh, in, in relation to this but just on what is likely to be done are we going to be here in two or three months time having the same conversation about direct provision and meat plants or what what change, substantial change is going to be done to stop this happening again? Well, I'm going to wait for the advice from NEFID. They're obviously looking at this. They're, they're coming out with recommendations. Well, sorry, I, sorry to interrupt you, but I can tell you that the letter from NEFID to government, one of their recommendations was that the government look immediately, given that they have identified congregated settings as being high risk, that the government look immediately to, uh, uh, to address the situation of people living in congregated settings. Well, now, will the government do that? Because that is the medical well, advice that, that well, the government seems to be so fond well, of. This government and the last government, as you know, have been very good at following the advice given to us by NEFIT. And we've taken, both governments took a lot of flack for doing it at times, but I think you will find that we've been very good at following that advice. 
there's very little detail there and I think that's what Sarah is getting for what we have known about this for weeks and, and that these clusters have come up what's the what's the change that's going to happen so that we don't have to um, go, move towards a, a lockdown either be it localised well, um, or not I would hope we wouldn't move towards lockdown situations um, I, 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 I think that but we have to be guided by what Neffert will say in okay. relation to these things Okay so one of the things that is hopefully going to happen in a couple of weeks time depending I suppose on how all of this goes is the reopening of the schools um, now we do see third level students Mary Menahan being advised to wear masks if they are in close proximity to each other and now a gathering discussion about whether the, the same should apply to second level students what's, what's your thought on that? Well, I suppose for third level students, third level students are uh, effectively adults. So there is, seems to be absolutely no reason why they wouldn't, why they wouldn't be wearing masks. But uh, when it comes to uh, younger people, it's where it gets very, very difficult, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I suppose for those of us who've already had their spin on the merry-go-round, uh, it's, it's easier for us to cope with what's going on at the minute. But the idea of sitting in a classroom for long numbers of hours a day wearing a mask ask it's it's not a very pleasant experience but you know I, I think everyone is feeling their way through this it's a very very difficult time but mm. I, I, it just has to be all hands on deck I mean I think we've seen really a transformation within the health service and uh, we've heard much less griping everybody's got on board and really the same thing has to happen with schools I think uh, it's probably fair to say there's been a clearer message from the new administration on the priority with which the reopening of schools has been given we didn't quite hear that message uh, from uh, quite so strongly or so clearly, I think, from the last government. So uh, that's that's uh, it, it, nobody's going to say it's going to be easy. It's going to, you're going to have a, I would have a lot of sympathy for teachers who are, who are facing into the classrooms uh, and so on. But I think it, it's just something that has to be done for working parents, for children, for everyone. Sinead? Yeah, I think the secondary schools uh, the students secondary union school came out today and said that they would wear masks if they were asked to. But I think probably people involved in uh, student politics when they're in secondary school maybe aren't quite representative of everybody who goes to schools. Um, it's, it's a really difficult one. The ECDC guidance today outlined what other countries, what other member states were doing. You had examples like Chechia there uh, have asked um, their secondary school students to, to wear masks and it has it has worked Um it probably is going to come down to a school by school approach as well. Like what, what does work in various classrooms, in various schools? There's going to be different types of discipline in in various schools and in various classrooms, different types of teachers, different types of learning. Is it learning that you need to be talking a lot for? Is it learning that you need to be sitting sitting down, heads down for? I think there probably does, like Mary saying, there's probably no one, one size fits all mm. for everybody and Colin, there just how, needs to be some wiggle room for everybody. Okay, I think. how concerned I wonder would you be about what's going on at the moment in terms of how it might affect the schools. I just give you one of our texts saying if Neff would have just advised people to uh, sorry, you looked at my, you looked at Michael and said, "Colin, that's why Michael and me are looking at each other." Oh, sorry, you looking, when you're about to come to. I'm looking at the screen, and Michael happens sorry. to be over the screen, so, so that's sorry. why that's what threw you off. Um, there's a text here uh, for, saying, "If Neffet have just advised uh, to avoid public transport if possible in Kildare, how are thousands of students going to commute to Maynooth University?" Um, this person saying they'd love to know what what the medical experts think of that. Now you're not a medical expert, obviously, but therein lies some of the problems, doesn't it? It, it does, and just to, to clear my 
my own vested interest in this first. My wife is a lecturer in a college, so I hear this probably more than most people. And there is genuine worries and concerns for people who that will be their work environment. They're going to be um, they're going to be in lecturing. I think uh, masks for third level students is is a very very good idea. Um, I I think that. Um, you have to be very conscious of that. I, I wouldn't disagree with the words that were said <laughs> in terms of... Well, does it make uh, sense to you if, the, if it's a good idea for third level students that it's not a good idea for second level students? I think you Given see, we're but, being told but, that the but, risk from an age group over 10 is, is about the same in yeah, terms of spreading I, I think you're going to have to get into the realities though of it being very much individual teachers, individual schools, trying to, to work with students, uh, trying to bring about uh, an environment that the school system is... Um, that the, the students, the staff, the teachers, that everybody in it can work together on I it. Is that good enough, uh, though, Colm? If you if you happen to be a well, parent in a school where it's not mandatory and you feel very unsafe about that, well, that is you're aware of the medical evidence, and down the road there's a school where it is mandatory and you don't Sarah, get to I feel safe. Do, do you understand? Yeah, me? There's I, not I, a, I, I totally do, and this this is the type of micro problem you face with COVID on every single level. I mean, should you? This is where I say that it's it's all about decision making, and there's no. I don't think there's a perfect outcome. I mean, Michael and myself know from sitting on the COVID committee, you can bring in literally uh, 50 people a day and get 50 different variations mm. on to what the answer is. And, and the thing about it is while we all are in it together, almost everybody who expresses a view because people are worried about their health and their life has a very strong view on it. And But I, I think for things to work in a school setting, from my experience of it as a student, and thing, you, you have to have school buy-in. It has to be collectively school buy-in. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. A couple no, of no, I just say I completely agree with the government's emphasis on getting people back to school, but we should also bear in mind that we're one of the few countries in the European Union who haven't gotten our students back to school yet, right across the European Union. And I don't for a minute accept that the medical advisors in Germany or France or Italy or any other country in the European Union, which is a, func- a perfectly functioning health system, unlike ours, unfortunately, don't care about their citizenry because they do and so do their political so what, what leaders. What do you think should have happened? They should have come back during the Holidays, no, but I think it? we. No, I don't think they should have come back. I mean, I, I, I think the leaving search was badly handled because of the delays in making a decision. But be that as it may, it's happened. I do think it's absolutely essential that children go back to school in September. And I think there won't be a huge difficulty in getting them back to school. The difficulty will be keeping the schools mm. open, mm. and it is essential that those schools are kept open and contingency plans are put in place. And I, I'm not underestimating the challenge that that will pose. But we're not unique in having to deal with that challenge. Every other country in the European Union has done it. If they can do it, we can do it. Okay, a couple of uh, texts in relation to this. One person says, I certainly would not send my children back to school if there were no masks. Another person says, the thought of teaching in a classroom with no masks gives me nightmares. Schools have a duty of care to staff. And that one comes from uh, Tessa. Uh, We're almost out of time, but Mary, I want to go to yourself. I suppose one of the biggest and saddest uh, piece of news that we got this week, and that was in relation to the passing of John Hume. Um, Can you tell me your your thoughts on that and what what you were thinking as as you watched uh, the, the funeral take place? Yeah, I saw John Hume Jr. captured him beautifully when he spoke at the start of the Mass, saying his father was a dairyman to his core and also the lighthearted stuff about his father's weakness for chocolate bars and how he was sure he was up there now ordering his creme brulee. And I would have been at the tail end of those famous dinners that John Hume hosted for journalists visiting the European Parliament. And I, I remember ordering a creme brulee and John Hume reaching over with his spoon and smashing it. You know, there was always a, a wee smile playing at the corner of his mouth and it 
it's in great contrast really to the public image. He wasn't like the groomed politicians of today. He was often under great stress and that showed he was crumpled and anxious, sometimes angry with the unruly hair and the glasses askew. But the reason for that was that walking the path of peace wasn't the easy path or the path of capitulation. It was the, the tricky, the thankless and the often treacherous path. path. It, was, it was very hard to persuade people not to uh, combat violence with violence and convince them that violence was not inevitable and that there was another better way. So I, I'm delighted that a new generation is being introduced to his message of which was always one of equality, reconciliation and reunification through consent. Like he really was the best of us. He was a reconciler, a persuader and political trends come and go, but those skills should never go out of fashion. Okay, well, I think uh, we'll leave it on that beautiful tribute to him, Mary, and thank you so much for that. That's Mary Minahan, Assistant News Editor at the Irish Times. We were also joined today in our gathering by Minister of State at the Department of Foreign Affairs, Colin Brophy, Independent TD for Clare, and Chair of the Iraq This COVID Committee, Michael McNamara, and Sinead O'Carroll, Editor of the Journal.ie. And thank you all very much for joining me this morning.